Welcome to Tackling a New Kingdom. I am your host, Tank Johnson. And today we have a big, big show. My friend and former teammate, he is a ESPN NFL analyst, host of the Swagoo and Perk podcast, my brother Marcus, a.k.a. M.Dot, but better known as Swagoo. Marcus Spears, how you doing, dog? Man, so good to see you, my dude. So good to see you, man. It, you know, I was thinking when we was when we was trying to go through the whole thing to set this up, like it, I, it just kept coming to my mind. We don't reconnect enough. So the fact that we get on this podcast and we could chop it up for a little bit, I'm excited to see you, man. And keep doing what you're doing. I saw you with Roger Goodell. Man. Don't be dancing with the enemy all the time. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm just got, playing, bro. I'm I gotta get him. Well, I mean, um, you know, on. Inside this kingdom, we tackle a range of topics. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to tackle something current, and that today will be social media burnout in athletes and the effect on mental health. Yeah. Uh, something real, uh, how the culture in Dallas, we were teammates in Dallas, how that differed from, you know, you got to play in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, I got to play in two other cities. How those cultures are different and something controversial. Um, has the parents uh, within America, have they swung completely out of balance in trying to create a child prodigy? Um, we saw the tragedy uh, down in, in Texas with Yacoub mm-hmm. Tlaib. And, mm-hmm. you know, we want to tackle that. And I, and I want to finish it on something real funny that you're going to like, man. You're going to get a kick out of this. So <laughs> let's jump right into it. Let's uh, Let's tackle something current. We know... We knew, right, that the social media landscape was going to have some drawbacks, bro. Like, we right. knew it wasn't going to be all good. Um, anyone who's been around the block a few times knows that, like, this is going to have some type of negative effect. With what we're seeing with Adrian Broner, mm-hmm. uh, Mikey Garcia, pulling out of big-time fights for mental health, can, can, you talk to, can you talk to us about social media burnout and, and yeah. what do you think about that, bro? Tank, you know, first of all, phenomenal topic, man. And, and I think um, I think social media has, like you said, it's two sides of that coin. I think it has highlighted and mag- magnified mental health. Man, um, sure. Because we all, before social media, you and I were fortunate enough to play a large majority of our careers before social media, and we knew other people had perspectives perspectives of us. Like our arguments would be with local beat writers. Right. Our arguments would be with people that we could actually see, talk to, touch and feel when they said something bad about us. Because in order for you to have something like that, you actually had to be in the vicinity of the person. For sure. Um, and, and have that type of um Connectivity to them. I think for me, man, one, if you don't have a filter, if you don't have a filter for all of the noise that's coming in, right? And you're entering this landscape and people will give their opinions about the podcast. They'll give opinions about you personally. And a lot of times what I'm seeing with athletes is they 
it's become so personal and so much about their performance and what they do in their careers that they don't know how to filter that. Man. To them, it's all one thing. Everything, if you play bad, it's an indictment on my character. If you if it's an if you say something about me, you're saying something about the sport that I play. So it's not, it's not being filtered. And then the other thing is, and Tank, I, I promise, man, I had to really cautious myself on saying this because, bro, I don't know how me, social media doesn't bother me. Right. Personally, like, but I had to start to recognize with, with even my colleagues at ESPN and in television that everybody can't handle the negativity. Right. True. Right. Very so, true. So I had to, I had to kind of stop thinking like, or stop preaching. Why y'all let this matter to y'all? Like, why is this bothering you this much? For me personally, bro. I just don't know how to accept and let somebody that I never knew existed on the face of this earth five seconds before I read their posts right. affect me in my real life. I just, <laughs> I, I have that disconnect, bro. And, and I just had to realize everybody don't. Man, I, you know, I think, I think that's an advantage of kind of when we were leaving the game, we, we got to see the difference. We saw mm -hmm. what it was before and we saw what it was after. And I feel like athletes who have just seen the sports landscape with social media, um, you know, they, they've been able, I don't think they have that ability to shut it off. And right. I know that, you know, I'm a big boxing fan. I got my Muhammad Ali shirt on. I know you're a big fighting fan and, and just, just, Looking at AB like early in his career, I mean, this guy was a champion in four weight classes, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the antics that he that he did made us laugh. Sometimes it made us cringe. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, he, he was playing it all out on social media. And yeah. so now that now that the social media is not there with the adulation. It's not right, a safe right. place for him. Um, now you're seeing that those mental health problems. So I think with that, I mean, I take, let me say this go ahead. to your point. And I, I, I'm, I'm speaking to athletes. I'm speaking to people that's very engaged with social media in, in your, in, in the context for Adrian Brown, who you, who you talked about, you got to be very careful at how much intel you give the world. I don't care if you are a superstar boxer and everybody know you and you fame from that. You're a superstar basketball player, superstar football player. You better be very careful because now you know it's called the footprint. Man. So a lot of what Adrian Bronner was giving it's fine when you on top. Right. It's fine when you at the highest level. And for him, even though negativity was coming at that time, his foundation and the thing he could fall back on is I'm one of the best in the world. So that was his shield and his mechanism. Right. And now that that mechanism doesn't exist anymore, now I'm looking in the mirror and I'm starting to identify all of my flaws outside of boxing. Wow. 
So I, I, I try to get that point across to a lot of young athletes, man. And you, you and I had a lot of conversations about this when we played together with the Cowboys. And the one thing you knew about me, football didn't define me. I was already talking about <laughs> I was talking about trying to get the hell out of there. The transition. <laughs> so I think a lot of times, man, you know, it's it to your point, it's convoluted on the social media side with with the with the guys that's in the league now mm-hmm. of how they mesh personal and their careers together. But with you and I, when we were playing, we did have a filter, bro, because when we went home, we could turn off the noise. Yeah, It wasn't buzzing our phone all day long. Right. Our friends wasn't texting us about, man, you see what you see what Marcus Beer said about you. You see what Tank Jones, you see what Stephen A said about you. That like it wasn't a constant, you know, this 24-7 cycle of man. people trying to tell you who you are. Right. And the problem is, is with like now you got a lot of guys and a lot of women because Liz Cambridge, the basketball player, she just stepped away from the WNBA. Right. And a lot of that is because of just just that to your point, that non-filter, man. And then when you when you when you de-elevate and you no longer the superstar mm. and, and you're not filtered by the praise being so loud that the negativity really can't get in and it reverses. Mm-hmm. And you start figuring out like, damn, this bothers me way more than I thought, but you no longer have that shield. Well, you know, one of the things that I've always been interested in is like, at what point are we going to have enough information to, to speak on the first case study of that first generation, mm. that first 10 years or what have you. And I, I truly believe we've seen the first case study of, to your point, letting it all fly on social media with no filter, um, what that could do to you on the flip side yeah. when you're descending from your career. Yeah, man. So, and, and Tank, you know this, bro, because we play high level football, you went to a Super Bowl. And I say that this is one of my sayings to my kids. And this is one of my sayings to a lot of times when I'm able to interact with young athletes or people that want to get into television business, people will compliment you to the poor house. They'll compliment you to the poor mental house because we all have a time, right? Like we all have a time where we are quote unquote on top of our game and, and all of our interactions are based on how well we are performing, regardless of if we want to admit it or not, right? Like uh, the the normal Joe ain't going to walk up to Tank and Marcus Spears if we didn't play in the NFL and say, man, you look like a phenomenal dude. But because we put those uniforms on, because we played well, we got uh, we got thousands of people that, that will come up to us in settings that normally, especially being two big black men, they mm. wouldn't even be comfortable coming up to us in. Not at all. And I'm not just speaking about white people. I'm speaking about our own people too. Like it just, it's a comfort level that comes along with the success because everybody, if, if one, if you're successful, others, other successful people are willing to impart wisdom and knowledge, right? True. The other True. thing about it is 
people that aren't quote unquote considered successful or on the level you are in whatever your career is or how well notarized you are, they feel comfortable coming up to you because they know publicly you can't respond a number of ways. You're handcuffed a little bit. You're handcuffed, right? <laughs> like the Mike, like Mike Tyson being on the airplane, right? Right. He thought, so he thought he couldn't get touched. He thought he couldn't get. So it's it's a comfort level. That's a it's a different type of comfort, but it's a comfort level to say the least. And when people start acknowledging you, speaking of Adrian Bronner or anybody in that situation, when they when they start acknowledging. All of the quote unquote crazy things that we've seen you do, all of the outlandish things, all of the things that was accepted when you were that dude up here. And now they acknowledging you and saying, remember all that foolishness you used to do? Mm-hmm. And now you ain't on top no more and you're paying for it. So there is a there is a there is a fine line, man. We dealt with it in the NFL with, with Antonio Brown. Man, and good. Man, you 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 catching touchdowns, you winning Super Bowls, you whatever. I and here's another case study for you, Tank. Yeah, give it. Give to me you. five years from now, and then let's have a conversation about Antonio Brown. Because right now the song is out, and the NFL players are doing your dance, mm-hmm. and you still are. Yep, <laughs> you still <laughs> you still operating off of your stardom and the things that you've done as a player. That spotlight. But at some point, that spotlight is removed, and the only thing people are going to start paying attention to is what they considered outlandish and crazy. That is when you find out how they respond. Wow. Um, I, I think that this is an opportunity for our young men and women to to take a look at the data. This is real life, real time data on all of that social media adulation and running mm-hmm. to social media. And I really hope it gives them an opportunity to learn. All yeah, right. Um, that is tackling something current. Thank you, man. So now we're going to transition to something real. You and I, we both... Uh, were teammates on the Cowboys. I was there for a cup of coffee. You had the bulk of your career there. Um, Me coming from Chicago and then you subsequently having the ability to go to Baltimore and and seeing another football culture. Mm -hmm. When I got to Dallas, I felt like I had landed on Mars in terms of football (laughs) culture. Can you tell me the the difference in cultures that you just seen from being in another place? Yeah, man, it's funny you said that because to me the Dallas thing, for as for as normal as it got to me, it was still moments. Even the year we had, because the year you were there, um, well, us together, hard knocks. We had hard knocks. Yeah, right. So it was even more polarized, and that was. You know, we had Pac-Man, we had T.O. We had, we had between you, Pac-Man, and T.O., y'all were three of the biggest personalities in the NFL. Not only because y'all had personalities, but because y'all had had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. So people naturally gravitated. Me and you hit it off well. We had a strong, tight-knit D-line room as well. Mm-hmm. So the culture for me in Dallas when you were there was normal. Um, it was how 
we operated. When I got there, it was Greg Ellis and Leroy Glover. And, you know, it was eventually good dudes, great dudes, bro. And, and that's honestly, when people ask me about my tenure in Dallas, the one thing I remember is my teammates. I had great teammates, Tank. You, Jason Hatcher, Stephen Boyne, Jay Ratliff, Chris Canty. Like, um, we had so many, like, good, just good dudes. Like, I don't ever remember a time, and, and it may have been personally or privately, but I don't ever remember a time when you and I played together or when we finally matured past our rookie year with the guys that I came in with where we all didn't want to see each other have success. Right. That was like the common thread with the guys that I was around for the majority of my career. But the culture in Dallas was polarized and it was entertainment. And I, I got to be honest, at, at times it felt like it was entertainment first and football was just something that was in there. Right. Mixed you know in. What I mean? Mixed yes. in with what we were actually there for, you know. And Jerry is obviously a big polarizing. No owners do interviews after every game like him. Right. No owners are more involved in the day-to-day because he, he is the general manager as well. So it's a completely different dynamic, right, in Dallas. Right. And then when I got to Baltimore, I, I saw Steve Bashotti like twice. The whole time. <laughs> the whole time, right? And like Ozzy was, was the was the general manager. And it, it just was football. And... I, I was up there with Terrell Suggs and, you know, I played with some really good players. They drafted Brandon Williams. Me and Chris Canty actually signed that same year. He came from New York. I came from Dallas. Right. And I was like, bro, if I would have did this for eight years, I wonder what the outcome would have be, would have been mm-hmm. as opposed to doing Dallas. What I will say, Tank, in, in, in closing, when you come to Dallas as a young player, you have to be you have to be lucky to have veterans to mm. get you ready for being what a Dallas Cowboy is. Mm, that's a big point. And, and if you manage it right, it'll carry you for a lifetime. Mm. Make no mistake about it, bro. Yeah. That star on my helmet elevated me at ESPN. Make no mistake about it. Wow. Like, that was That is as much a part of the success that I've been able to have in television. The swaggle brand, the swaggle yeah. brand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. So it, it just, it just, it's, it's like everything. Tank. And I think that's what I've always admired and respected about you. We both understand to acknowledge the positives and the negatives both sides. of a situation. Yeah. And it's always that. Always. Yeah. And, and I, I, I love the fact that you, put those two things up together. Mm-hmm. And, and because for, for me, not having uh, the, the longest tenure there, I mean, it, it was kind of like a glimpse for me, but I, even in that glimpse, I was able to see the power of the star. Yeah. If you do it right. Yeah, look man. at guys like Dion and, mm-hmm. and the success that he Tony was, Romo. Romo, man. Man, Jason Witten was on Monday Night Football, bro. Man, it, yeah. it, it does elevate. And and it and it almost um it, it almost shows you that if you can do it right, that there there are those good sides of it. So there there is um a positive side to that entertainment. But I remember, man, 
I, I traveling to Oxnard. I felt like I was in a, I was in a, uh, like I was in a rock band. He was in a rock band. <laughs> and I was on tour. We went to Cali, to Denver, yep. to San Diego. I, I was like, wait, where's our regular practice field? Where at? do we <laughs> practice at? <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, I honestly didn't even understand it, but to have a, 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 a real Dallas Cowboy who was entrenched in that uh, franchise explain that to me. It, it it offers all the perspective in the world. Yeah, man. Yeah, because it, it it can be. I, I I have to acknowledge it can be tough to, um, especially with me and and you know Demarcus Ware was drafted the same year. It can be tough as a rookie, bro. Ooh. You come in into a lot of money. Um, everywhere you go, everybody knows you. And it's kind of like we had and success in, and loves you. And we had success in college. And I went to LSU, which was was big time. But that was big time Louisiana, right? Like when you get to Dallas, it's the whole world, bro. Like I don't you re, you can remember this. We used to have presidents, governors. Um, the we first, used to have the first time I ever seen Jay Z and LeBron up close was in Green Bay. In Green Bay, yeah, bro. So it, it just was. It's a whole different animal, man. And if you if you don't have some people there to kind of like, hey, these are the things you're gonna see. This is the type of stuff that's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> it could it could have you think, like you said, it could have you thinking you the head, you the lead singer in a rock band, and then come to find out you can't sing that well. <laughs> man, let so. me tell you something, man. Listen, I experienced Las Vegas as what I consider a civilian. And I experienced Las Vegas as a Dallas Cowboy. And I, I never knew there was that many back doors and tunnels bro, in Las Vegas than when Stephen Jones gave me a little wrinkled up business card. He said, call this guy. Change my life. Everything, dude. Everything, um, man. Uh, my first experience with TMZ was when I was in, uh, we, we were in Oxnard. We had a Oxnard. day off. We dude, dude jumped out the bush and you know me, I, I'm I'm from around the way. So when he jumped out, I, I squared up on him. He said, Tank, I remember. What, do of, what do you think about Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson? I said, Oh, uh, oh. Man, <laughs> get on, man. Hey, even think about that, Tank. At the time, Tony Romo was dating Jessica Simpson and Miles Austin was dating Kim Kardashian. And she came to the sideline at the Hall came, of Fame game. Came to the sideline Hall of Fame game. Dallas Cowboys, because Kim Kardashian wouldn't have looked twice at Miles uh, if he didn't play for the Dallas Cowboys. That's star. Wouldn't have looked twice at him. <laughs> not even, not at all, man. So, um, but no, no, thank you uh, for giving me that insight and that perspective yeah. uh, of a tenured uh, person with the stars. So that is tackling something real. And now... We're going to switch to tackling something controversial because yeah. I, I truly believe that uh, difficult conversation leads to better perspective, mm -hmm. right? And right now, uh, we have a situation in Texas where uh, a former NFL All-Pro, Aqib Tlaib's brother, Yakub Tlaib, uh, is accused of uh, shooting and, and, and ultimately killing uh, this this gentleman, Michael Hickman. Yep. And he they were at a, a six-year-old practice game. So I, I when I see that, I, I wonder if as a country, as a community, 
are, are, are we are we putting too much pressure on our children to become the next, not even LeBron, but Bronny, Bronny yeah. James? Because for me and your generation, it was, I'm going to take care of my mama after high school, college, I go to the pros and I could take care of my mom. Yeah. Now yep. you can take care of your mama in high school. Yeah. In high school. So is, is, is that alone putting too much pressure and, and turning these, these sidelines and these stands in, into ultimately violent places? Yeah. Tank, l- listen, man, you know, <laughs> bro, so disheartening, first of all. And oh, I was, I was going to, I was going to post on social media after I found out about it. Um, and I was going to make it about black men and, and being the example that we need to be. Um, but I didn't, and, and that, that's, that's where professionally social media wise, I'm always cautious because I didn't want the conversation to steer away from what had actually happened. And I knew that if I went on that rant, which it was in my heart and my spirit, man. Mm. But I knew if I posted that, the, it would be it would be taken away. Yeah, exactly. And we got we get seven other avenues would have came off that. Um, here's what I'll say, man. And you hit the nail on the head. Um, I was having a conversation. I was going a few years ago. I was going to speak to South Carolina men's basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in the middle of a run, like going to the final four and Frank Martin was their head coach. Mm, And Frank Martin pulled me to the side before I was about to talk to the team. And he told me something, man, that really sticks with me until this day. And Tank, it was as simple as this. He said, kids haven't changed parents have. So true. So he said, when I go in the homes to recruit, the parents ask me for what I'm going to give them first, not the kids. Right. So, so a lot of a lot of it, man, just boils down to this sense of again, social media, right? And the access to LeBron James. See, when we saw our stars, it was happenstance. Or we was going to a game. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like we 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 didn't have this 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 every five seconds we can pick up and go to LeBron James social media, or we can go to Cristiano Ronaldo social media or Messi or, or um, Serena Williams. And, you know, we look at their life. We look at their houses. We look at the things that they able to do. Mm. And in, in, in a lot of these parents' minds, and I, I wholeheartedly believe that they want the best for their kids, but it's a lot of selfishness involved in that entitlement entitlement right like if he makes it this is what's gonna happen for me for me or if or if she makes it this is what's gonna happen for me and take the dynamic is crazy and i'm glad you brought it up dog my daughter is the number two ranked sophomore volleyball player in the country wow that comes with some things right she's recognized at all of these tournaments um she has when posted, she walks when she walks in the gym, everybody turns, looks at her. Everybody turns and knows, right? So I'm 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 thankful that my wife and I experienced professional success 
And we kind of can navigate and help her understand, you know, the, the, the psychological part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, man, to your point, these parents, these, these men that were at this game, the first question I asked myself, what could possibly make you commit murder in front of these young, impressionable kids, number one, mm -hmm. and more importantly, take another man's life for what? What's that? Important? Because the game didn't go well or you didn't, I don't know what the reason it was, but Tank, there was no reason. Right. If that, it, it, outside of another man trying to take your life is the only time I think you take a man's life. That's it. Protecting yourself. That's it. I just have no, there is nothing in my mind, bro. Because here's what I know. If you and I had been at that game and those, we saw that pot being stirred or those altercations about to take place, Nobody would ever got to the middle of the field. Ever. And I'm asking, I'm trying to figure out how does it escalate from you play the entire game, end of the game. A, a practice game. A practice. Bro, it, it, it bothers me because, to your point, that had nothing to do with those kids. Man. And, and, and now you got the, uh, Coach Hickman's son was there. Mm -hmm. So now what kind of cycle have we started? Man. How do we, how does he interpret conf, conflict resolution? Who is going to be the male force now? Take I would have, it, it, it would have been, it would have been, it would have been one of the greatest things in my life if my dad could have coached me. Man. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And he no longer afforded that. And he was being afforded that. So, dude, it's so many layers to it. But, but again, man, like, we pull triggers because of either fear or we think that's what we got to do or that make us a man. And we don't think about not only a man losing his life, but think it's it's a hundred other casualties now. Yeah. From that situation. Yeah. That that's gonna have a, a trickle down effect that you can't comprehend. Yeah, yeah dude. Uh yeah, you know what, man? Um I, I, I've just been looking at the intensity level um just a, a, around the country of that that they're putting on these young children. And and I you know, I had a uh AAU basketball team, shout out uh Seattle Swish, mm -hmm. and uh we we went to Utah for a tournament and this kid walked in, he's dribbling. The kid was no bigger than, I mean, he was maybe up to, like to my waist, mm -hmm. tiny little kid, but he had probably 25 grown men walking behind him and he's walking in dribbling his ball. And I said, who's that? Oh, he said, Oh yeah, that's the, that's the number one 12 year old in the country. And I said, well, well, why are they ranking a 12 year old? And they have all these men with these cameras and, and these and these sites putting that pressure on these little kids. And I ultimately think that you 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 create this environment where it's not letting these kids grow and excel, but now there's pressure infused yeah. in youth sports, money, gambling, 
And that's how you end up with a situation like Michael Hickman. And, and we need to we need to keep saying his name, Michael yeah. Hickman, man, yeah. because yeah. he is he is somebody who tried to do it right, was trying to help in the community. I don't know his rights and his wrongs, but I know he didn't deserve to die at a youth sports game. No way. No way. And Tank, you know, uh, I didn't post it, but I'm going to say it. Why? why? And, and, and maybe I'm a, I'm a part of Not maybe. I am a part of it because I should. We should be in the middle of the streets about this. Right. We should be. We should be. We should be saying his name, like we did Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Yeah. We should be. We should be. It, this should be the loud microphone as because injustice is injustice, bro. Like wronging somebody is wronging somebody, and I get the other side of that. Right. Right. People are paid to protect you, and that's their job and affiliate. But but I I want us to start as a community, especially a black community. We got to start having the same type of energy, not only towards our our successes, because if because when Bronny dunked in that game, it's probably a hundred million impressions over the internet. Man, and we we might have two thousand for Coach Hickman. Sad. You feel what I'm saying? So I I just it I'm 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 in this. These are the type of like the social media and the negativity. These are the internal things that that I have to think on and figure out an approach, bro, because yeah. these are the things that bother me. Like somebody saying, Moise, you stupid. You don't know nothing about foot. I don't, bro. Okay, whatever. But but when we when we lose in when we lose in life um at the hands of us, and when we lose in life, not only of a father, but we lose in life of a coach. I'm sure he was a mentor to some of those other young men. Usually when you coaching, you got to be a father to more than just your own son. Man. Other parents probably was depending on him Man. To, to all of that type of stuff. But we don't, we, we not magnifying that and we not voicing that. So I'm going to, and I was on TV the last two days and I'm already in my head. Like I should have, this should have been the first thing I talked about. But so so the day to day has to stop getting in the way of us in our community showing the transgressions, but also showing the positivity man. and being loud about it. Accountability. Yes, man. Accountability. Yes, bro. Um, no, uh, I appreciate you jumping into uh, uncomfortable conversations because I truly believe it leads to greater perspective. Yes, sir. Um, so now we're going to end uh, the show on something really, really, really funny to me. Uh, <laughs> I was in my office the other day and, you know, I've, I've got all types of stuff up here in my office and I looked up and I, and, and this was completely random. Like, I, of course I knew I was interviewing you this week, but I saw Dallas Cowboy football and it said your name on it. And I thought, that maybe somehow I had got one of your <laughs> balls mixed up. And and but I, I I picked it up and it said, it said, uh it says game ball presented to Tank Johnson by Marcus Spears uh for the last game, uh the last Thanksgiving game in uh Texas Stadium. And and I and, and I remember something about this game 
Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember before we got started, I don't know how much success my season had had, but I remember saying, if I get a sack, I'm doing the You're turkey doing the dance. Turkey dance. <laughs> and I and and lo and behold, that gap opened up. I shot it. I got that sack and I started that <laughs> turkey dance. And and that day, everybody got a sack, did the turkey, turkey dance. Turkey dance. Yep. Can you tell me what you remember about that day? Bro, listen, first of all, it was so fun. I don't know if you remember this. We wore camo. You don't remember that? Oh we man, wore, we did. We wore camo, and um, and you know I'm a big fisherman and hunter. I Outdoors hunt and fish. Yes. You know that. And um, I was like, I literally told, I told, I actually told, um, I don't know if you remember Bruce, but Bruce was the Bruce was the older white gentleman. He he was the person that come get you if the cowboy is cutting you. Oh yeah, he with was, the slick back. He, yeah. Slick back. You remember Bruce, the half plugs. Yeah. yeah, the half plugs. I, I, I think Bruce has passed, so God rest his soul. But God rest his soul. I told Bruce, I said, Bruce, whoever on this D-line get the first sack of the game, I'm going to present a, a ball to him. Wow. And then Bruce was like, well, I don't know. You know, you knew how Bruce was. I don't know if you could do that. You got to ask coach. So, right, right. And you know, during that time, man, we was we was having a blast. It was, it was way, we was having a blast. So, I told Wade, I said, Coach, look, man, whoever get a sack on the D-line, first I'm going to present a game ball to him. Wow. So I'm sitting over there because, you know, I wasn't no pass rusher. Y'all was the third down. <laughs> yeah, y'all was the third down. Don't get it. <laughs> so you get the sack, and I walk up to Wade, and I was like, hey, Tank, get the game ball presented by me, right? Wow. And Wade, Wade in the middle of the game, he trying to, you know, he, he like, all right, Marcus, whatever. Right. So right, right. I was like, uh, I said, so when you present him the game ball, coach, I needed to feel big, though. Like after the game, I said, I needed to feel big. I needed to feel like this was something I had put a whole lot of thought and time into right. and all of that. He was like, all right, man, we're going to present it to him. We're going to get the ball made, whatever. And uh, I'll never forget, bro. Tank, they gave you that ball so discreetly. <laughs> Slid it to me. Slid it to me. I'm like, I'm like, every time y'all present a game ball, we in the meeting, we in the team meeting room, and it's a big presentation. And because I want to present one to one of my brothers, y'all just go slide that thing in this locker room. I was but yeah, like, man. What's this? I know. I know. What's this? <laughs> Oh, but you got it, man. That's love, man. That's love, man. Uh, well, I want to say I, as a friend of yours, I'm so proud of your success. Thank you. bro. Uh, when I see you uh, on national TV, absolutely uh, representing for us, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel so good, man. I, I, I'm, I'm it's good to see one of my former teammates having success. Life is life, but you are trudging forward. Yes, um, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being on the show. And yep. man, well, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, man. And let me say this, Tank, because I appreciate you, man. Um, don't take these platforms and this microphone for granted, bro. You got something to say. You got a wealth of knowledge. Um, I love the fact. He, let me tell people a story before we go. Um, and I'm sure you remember this. It's, speaking of social media, Instagram, this dude had came at me real foul. And um, I, I exchange and I, you know, I kind of, 
I don't really go back and forth with people on the personal. If you're talking about football, I'll go, I'll go back and forth with you. You slide an uh, insult. But if you make a good point, I'll go back and forth with you. So this guy has sent a message and somehow I reposted it. Um, and honestly, bro, when I do that, a lot of people be like, why are you getting these people time of the day and all of that? I literally do that for my colleagues to let them know because around ESPN, everybody looks at, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a couple of personalities that people look at and think everybody love y'all y'all on TV all the time. No, man, we get, we, we get hate vitriol, all of that type of stuff. And I never forget, bro, you were, you responded to the gentleman and told him what type of person I was. And he said, if you, I, I remember you saying, if you were able to have a, a chance to sit down and really talk to more, you have a whole different perspective. And the dude response was, yeah, man, I feel bad that I even said that or whatever. But I just wanted, I wanted to tell that story tank because a lot of times that's what people need. Sometimes like, like a message for everybody that's listening to the, sometimes people that know you need to go for before you and say, you got the wrong impression. You got the wrong perspective. So I just, one, thank you for that. Two, I think it was a valuable lesson for him, for the gentleman. To be like, yeah, I, I, I need to evaluate the type of energy that I'm putting out in the world. And the one thing I've always attributed to you, bro, because you know you and I have sat and we have laughed and we have had a great time together. Um, real recognize real, bro. So what you're doing, I know it's going to be successful because people are going to gravitate to the truth. Mm -hmm. So just keep telling the truth on that mic, man. Man. Tackling a new kingdom. Big swaggoo. We out of here. My brother. <laughs> Thank you to uh, Marcus Spears for being on the show. Uh, I want to remind you all to like, comment, subscribe, and tell a friend to tell a friend that Tackling a New Kingdom is the new podcast to watch, um, whether it's Apple, Spotify, um, we're growing the community now. We say thank you. And once again, we appreciate the big swag goo for checking in to tackling a new kingdom. All right, y'all. Peace.